0: Hey, welcome to the ELL 176 pre-roll. Do not fast forward through this. Very important. You have until Wednesday night at midnight, tonight at midnight to join the Pride, join our Patreon and vote for the fourth Libertarian candidate for president to take part in our final debate before they vote on who is going to be president. We have... uh, Different criteria we've used to select Jacob Hornberger, Vermin Supreme, and Justin Amash. As three of the candidates, we're looking for the fourth. So if you support someone and you want to see them in the debate, now is your chance to join as little as $5 a month. We're letting our Pride supporters choose this candidate. Go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Not only are you supporting your candidate, but you're supporting us and everything that we're doing to try to forward the Liberty movement. So thanks a lot. Patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty, with your host, Brian McWilliams. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. Oh, I've got a lot of problems with you people, and you're going to hear about them. Great words from a great man, the one and only Jerry Stiller, of course, Ben Stiller's father, known for many comedic roles, but predominantly for being Frank Costanza on Seinfeld. Now, naturally, that was Jerry Stiller in his role, talking about Festivus, which is a made-up holiday instead of Christmas that the Costanzas celebrated, which involved wrestling... Involved a metal pole that <laughs> sat in the middle of the room. And of course, most importantly, the airing of grievances, which inspired, I would say in no small way, me to start this show. Because it, I have a lot of problems with you people, and I do want to tell you about them. But of course, it not only inspired me, but it also inspired... Senator Rand Paul, who every year around Christmas time does his own airing of grievances in the festivist style, highlighting government waste, government overreach, government uh, atrocities well I can't even say atrocities. Most no, so of these are not atrocities, but they do tend to be uh, over expenditures and more ridiculous items and things that he has problems with and damn it, we all should have problems with. Now, I did reach out to the Paul campaign, or, or I should say his staffers. He's already in there. It's not his campaign. I'm I'm too wrapped up now in my presidential libertarian campaign and all the debates I've been doing. I've got campaigns on the mind, but I did reach out to Senator Paul's staff and asked him if he would be interested in coming on the show this week to talk about the death of Jerry, Jerry Stiller, uh, about his Festivus inspiration, and also, of course, about what's going on with Reopen America, COVID, and all that stuff, but... His staff told me he was unfortunately too busy. And of course, when you hear the next clip that I'm about to play, you'll understand why. And of course, I did understand why he was too busy to come on. Uh, but I do still want to get him on in the future if for no other reason than to ask him if he's okay with the hashtag of Randy Pants, which of course we use for all things Rand Paul related. And with our famous segment, Rand Paulusses and Minuses which we're going to do a little bit of right here. Rand Paul uses. and minuses. Rand Paul had a face-off, a showdown, a kerfuffle with Dr. Fauci, a man who, to me, is synonymous with fucking absolute incompetence. During our little email chain back and forth today with the Lions of Liberty, of course, Howie Snowden's on that, who puts together all of our news links, which is where I get the content for Electric Liberty Land every weekend, which you can get a board for uh, if you join at the $15 level, you are on, or $15 and up, you are, uh, are on our email list and you get all these news links as well that probably about 100 he sends through every day in a magical manner. I don't even know how he does it. But Dr. Fauci was in there. Testifying, and Rand Paul was in there giving him a good grilling. And uh, how he pointed out, though, that this man is being looked upon as some expert. They look back at his time during the 80s as some sort of time to to really, you know, applaud the man for the way in which he dealt with the AIDS crisis. Meanwhile, Fauci was pushing pushing through a drug which was actually more deadly than the virus itself. He also scared women and children, uh, including myself, by pretending that the AIDS epidemic was so much more severe than it was, which we all know to be a complete farce now, to a complete falsity, and that it actually affected under 1% of the population, predominantly gay men, predominantly African-Americans, and was pretty much something that the average human being did not really have to worry too much about. Unless you had certain specific behaviors, then maybe you'd be in danger. Maybe if you're a needle-sharing drug user, maybe then. Unless you're, you know, unprotected uh, gay sex, maybe then. But for the most part, did not really predominantly have to worry about it. But he told everybody that, oh, you know, you can get it from a toilet seat. You could get it from, uh, from, you know, kissing somebody too deeply. You can get it from all these different ways, all of which were nonsense. All of which is a scare tactic, just like we're seeing with this pandemic play out, where the, predominantly the majority of America is not adversely affected. If they are, they probably already had it, didn't know it. And really what's happening here is that the elderly population is the ones that are being hit hardest. Of course, those in nursing homes uh, being at the front line. Oh, and by the way, I I can't neglect, I, I have to tell you, I guess, what drug he was in fact pushing, which was a drug called AZT. And as I said, the AZT drug was actually worse than the disease, killed faster than the natural progression of AIDS if it was left untreated. Uh, AZT was an abandoned cancer drug discarded because of its fatal toxicity and then resurrected quote, in the cynical belief that AIDS patients were going to die anyway. So trying it out was sort of like playing with house money. Lovely. So of course Fauci was behind that. And I'm going to include, uh, an article that Howie sent through from spin.com called AIDS and the AZT scandal spins 1989 feature sins of omission. And I will, uh, Put that in the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL175. Naturally, somebody texted me as I finished that, but I'm not going to re-record it because I'm already running behind. So, you know, deal with the vibration sound in the background. I'm sure you guys have a lot of vibration sounds in your backgrounds. Hey, hey, oh, <laughs> the background being your butt. All right. Um, So let's get to the clip from today, which is Tuesday when I'm recording this Tuesday evening of Rand Paul and Fauci and their discussion where Rand lets him know that he is not the end all be all. And I think the one size fits all that we're going to have a national strategy and nobody's going to go to school is kind of ridiculous. We really ought to be doing it school district by school district. And the power needs to be dispersed because people make Wrong predictions so I think we ought to have a a little bit of humility in in our uh, belief that we know what's best for the economy and as much as I respect you Dr. Fauci I don't think you're the end all I don't think you're the one person that gets to make a decision we can listen to your advice but there are people on the other side saying there's not going to be a surge and that we can safely open the economy and the facts will bear this out but if we keep kids out of school for another year what's going to happen is the poor and underprivileged kids who don't have a parent that's able to teach them at home are not going to learn for a full year and i think we ought to look at the swedish model and we ought to look at letting our kids get back to school i think it's a huge mistake if we don't open the schools in the fall so how do i respond to that you may ask well with a polos yes good job rand he is not the end-all be-all a man who has a spotty track history that's been glanced over and polished to a shiny sheen by the media and other imbeciles out there Imbushils, I said that like Sean Connery. Imbushils, do you expect me to take your word, Dr. Fauci? No, Mr. Connery, I expect you to die in this economy. <laughs> <Imbissal>. Um, <laughs> Available to do voiceovers. servers. Um, anyway, but no, good job, Rand. I mean, you're not a dictator here that's able to tell us de facto that you know everything. I mean, the man later on, he responds, Fauci comes back and he goes, well, I, I follow the science bullshit. You followed horrible recommendations from Bill Gates's uh, institutions that were funded above his money. And of course he's the one making all the vaccines. So he has incentive to push these horrible numbers out these. So you trust these overinflated numbers that were not solid science. You're trusting social distancing, which, by the way, is not a tried and true science in any way. It's not even, I mean, we can't even find any real data to back up the fact that it even works or that it's accomplished anything. So you saying you follow the science doesn't give me any real uh, warm, fuzzy feeling in my heart that you're doing the right thing or that we're going down the right path here. Well, we do have evidence to the contrary, where we do have alternative models that say that we're going to be just fine that maybe herd immunity is the way to go. We look to Sweden and what they're doing and other countries. Everybody talks about Sweden. There's plenty of other countries that are also doing this model that haven't shut their economy down. But there are alternatives. There are other data points to consider. And I don't see why we should trust a man who's been wrong at every turn to lead us from this point on. I mean, Christ. Why, if you have a general at a war, Right, and people keep comparing this to the war, and I'm going to come back to this because people love calling it a war because, you know, in a war, all bets are off. You can do anything you want and everybody just kind of rolls over and accepts it because, you know, we're in a war. We've got to be in this together. But in a war, if a general loses every single battle and sacrifices all his troops making wrong decisions, do you leave that general in charge? Hell no, you don't. You replace him with somebody that does better. The fact that Fauci even has a job to me is insane. Like Ron Paul said, he should have been fired and replaced about a month ago, two months ago, pretty much right after this thing began. But apart from that, I've been having a conversation, right? Because LA County, which can, you know, living here is challenging. But LA County, despite the fact that we're seeing people become very disillusioned with social distancing, despite the fact that we're seeing that the majority of people that die from this are in fact elderly that have uh, illnesses that are beyond uh, or may have already died just the end of this year. Anyway, we're seeing California say, well, because we have more viruses going up and our counts going up, even though of course it's a huge, huge County and you would logically think that things are going to keep spreading. And again, we're, we're social distancing. We've been doing it for months now, right? We've been in lockdown mode. We're social distancing, all this shit. We've taken all these steps and it's still spreading. So, doesn't it make you think that social distancing isn't working? But no, of course, LA County decides three more months of lockdown. Never mind, by the way, that the city's broke. Never mind that California's broke. Never mind that the federal government is going to have to bail out California and Los Angeles and everybody else when this is done because they're forcing the economy to shutter. And California, of course, is like the world's third largest economy. The state is the world's third largest economy, which can't support itself during this. Lovely. But I'm arguing because I post on Twitter. I'm like, you know what? I post on Twitter. I post on my Facebook page. On my Facebook page, I've got a lot of Liberty people. And by the way, if you are a Liberty person, I will accept almost all of friend requests, at least for now, until I reach a point where it's going to become too many that I might start purging people down. So people I actually know in real life are my friends on Facebook. But... If you're going to add me as a friend, I welcome you to do it. Know for a fact, if you don't already have quite a few people in the liberty movement as friends, I'm not going to accept it. If you only have two people, I'm not going to do it. I'm glad you know who I am. I'm glad you listened to the show. I'm glad you found me some way. But I got to save those slots. Not to to be all important, but Facebook does put a limit on how many friends you can have. And I'm kind of getting very cognizant of that. So just know. I can't be your first. I can't be your liberty uh, cherry popper, guys. Well, listen to me. I can do it, but not on Facebook. So anyway, I got a lot of people that are liberty-focused on there, but I also have a lot of assholes who are just people from back in the day. Uh, and some, not all these people are assholes. Some of them are still good friends of mine that just have a different understanding of the world. But there are some people that are legitimate left brainwashed dipshits that I have a hard time talking to because there's no reaching them and the arguments they make are so profoundly fucking stupid that it just makes me angry to do it and I don't have the time to argue with these people on Facebook in general. I don't have the time to do much. I'm too stretched thin as it is. I'll give you an example though. I'm not going to name names here, but I post to my Facebook I say time for you know two words when I hear about this three month extension of the lockdown. I say two words civil disobedience. Right? Naturally, you've got assholes coming out of the woodwork and telling me, "Oh, this isn't so bad. You're you're terrible. Think about your children. Think about this. Think about that. Oh, you have a newborn baby at home. Yeah, I know. I also know that they're virtually immune. And I know about this horseshit connection that CNN and NPR are trying to make between an inflammatory disease and kids in New York and a couple other places and COVID, wherein some kids have tested positive for COVID and have this inflammatory syndrome. Guess what? some kids haven't some kids have tested negative for covid and the media is saying well this is uh, we're looking like it's a definitive link please fucking explain to me how if some kids don't have it and tested negative for covid there's a definitive link between having this inflammatory disease and covid it doesn't make sense it doesn't make scientific sense it doesn't make logical sense it's fucking bullshit it's fearmongering horseshit Designed to scare people and designed to get more clicks, designed to get more funding, designed to keep people locked in and feared of you know, for their child safety when there's no reason to be afraid. And even among these children that have the disease, it's something like 20 of them. In a city of millions, millions of children in the city, millions of children who are already having COVID, that have been exposed to COVID. That, I mean, this virus is prevalent. We already know that. It's 25 times more prevalent minimum. That's conservative estimates. And they're saying that, oh, this is a lake. Watch out. Bullshit. Bullshit. Stop scaring people. So, of course, I have idiots t- talking about that. And then I've got this one, this one guy now who compares us, all these fucking idiots, their fallback position, right? When they're they're faced with people saying enough of this, I don't want my livelihood damaged anymore and mine has been severely damaged by this. As I've talked about before, my agency is essentially collapsing because there's nobody spending on PR because everything's shut down. Right now you have advertisers renegotiating the advertising buys they're doing. Ad industry getting crushed, communications industry as a whole is getting crushed. But these people go, well, you know, the, in World War II, people really had it hard. Okay, so I'm so I'm supposed to just roll over and get fucked in the ass by my government when there's no viable reason for me not to be going out. You understand, guy, that during a war, people are actually getting bombed; they're they're in danger. Now, I would argue that we shouldn't have been in World War I or World War II. So a government, actually, you know, uh, here's the good parallel. This guy's making a parallel that they had it so much worse, right? And that we should just suck it up and shut up because, you know, we're, we're cushy and taken care of. Meanwhile, not everybody's cushy. Not everybody's taken care of. The government's not providing people with enough money after forcing them to close, after forcing them to stay at home and not go to work and their kids out of school. They're not getting that much money. And a lot of people rely on those jobs to live. But these lefties don't seem to understand that in their cushy environments, right? No, this is a quote-unquote inconvenience. No, motherfucker. This is multiple generations losing their livelihoods. This is literally sending middle-class or lower-middle-class families that might own a restaurant, that might own a dry cleaner, whatever else, whatever business they're owning that's been forced to close or that's been heavily impacted, this might force them into massive debt where they don't recover from it. This might result in them being in poverty for the next fucking two generations. This might result in a child being beaten and abused at home and being killed. This might result in somebody's suicide. This might result in somebody's uh, credit being destroyed. Like, don't give me your fucking bullshit that people had it so much worse because it was wartime. Yeah, that sucked. War's not great either. Don't compare the two. They're not fucking related. They're not even close. Now, what is related is this. You've got... A elderly generation, all our politicians, all our elites, right? You have an elder power generation that's already set, that's already got money, that's already got power, forcing a younger generation to take it on the chin. Now, with World War II, they sent them off to die in a war they didn't need to fight. They stayed at home. They had their money. They had their retirement, right? In America, we chilled. No one's bombing America. Pearl Harbor, but we knew that was coming, accepted it to get us in the war. The elderly sat at home let the kids go off to die, right? Maybe things were a little tight, but they didn't have to go fight. Now, we've got a similar situation where the elderly, they might be the most affected, but they're essentially telling the kids, no, no, you got to take it on the chin again. You got to take it. You're the ones that are going to get fucked by this. You're the ones that now are going to have trouble paying your mortgage, taking care of your kids. All these boomers are retired. They don't have anywhere to go. They, don't, they have their money. They already sucked the money out of the system. They're already getting social security. They're already getting retirement benefits. They're already getting their fucking pension plans that none of us have anymore because they're bankrupt. Unless you're a fucking union crony or you work for the state. All those assholes are taken care of. We're on the front lines now. You know, it was interesting. It is an interesting parallel. People are going to say, well, it's just like back in the day when you know, you'd say, well, were you doing in World War II? Where were you when COVID happened? What did you do? Yeah, this is going to be our world war. Because we're being sacrificed just like the generation that did go. But unlike that generation that came home and was able to find good jobs, was able to find solid wages and manufacturing jobs were still here, right? What is able to have these these uh, wonderful pensions set up for them before everything got thrown to the wayside and regulation collapsed in on itself. And we made it very, very out. We had the housing industry explode because the government funded loans. We had the education industry explode because the government funded loans. Getting sidetracked here. But those people were able to come back and make a life for themselves very easily, right? Especially because there were ample jobs and so many people had died. They already sacrificed them, so they came back to plentiful jobs and rebuilding a nation. And because America hadn't been decimated, America was a manufacturing hub and things were plentiful and good. Not so for us. Things were already difficult before. Making a living was harder. Cost of living is exceptionally more expensive. Buying a house is almost out of the reach for most of average Americans. And these assholes sit at home and they say, oh, well, it's okay. You guys, you can take it on the chin for another generation as we sop up the riches and we left you with shit. And now, instead of being able to somehow pull yourself up out of that shit, which is what you were trying to do all this time, now you just got to stay mired in that shit. We're going to put another $8 trillion of debt on your plate. We're not going to allow you to go outside because we have to protect ourselves. Because we, the boomers, are at risk and we don't want to go ahead and, and risk ourselves. We, the elites, the elderly, 65 and up, congressmen and congresswomen and people in power, they don't want to risk themselves. So you guys go out there, you commit suicide, you beat your wife, you you abuse your child, you lose your generational wealth, you lose your family restaurant, you lose whatever it is that you're putting your time and your money into. Fuck you, we don't care. Thanks so much. But these leftist assholes don't seem to understand that. These assholes who are, who are so afraid, so believing in government and what they're being told, they just roll over and say, okay, yeah, well, you know, guys, don't complain so much. Sit on your couch, play video games, eat chips. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody's getting paid out to the point. Not everybody's cost of living is so cheap that we can afford to do that. Not everybody lives in a shitty town in a small apartment that doesn't have kids, doesn't have an overhead, doesn't have a massive amount of, uh, of bills to pay, house renovations to pay for. So don't preach to me. So that's what I've been dealing with. <laughs> All right. Uh, get a rain in it in a little bit here. Okay. Let's see. What do I want to talk about now? All right. I talked about the LA County. Oh, how about this? Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk, I can't say I'm a fan of his child's name. Interesting. A little bit stupid. Uh, A, you know, A- what is it? Exxon? I don't even know how to pronounce it. The A-E-X-L-A-L-Y something, something rocket named after, I don't know, something or other, something ridiculous. Um. So Elon Musk, though, has said he is going to stand up and reopen his Fremont factory against the orders, against stay at home. He said, look, we're reopening. We need to make money. My employees need to work. And I will be on the front lines if you want to come arrest somebody, arrest me. And he's followed through with that. People were back at work. People from the, uh, that worked at the plant. They said they had to get tested, getting on the bus to go to work temperature test. And they got tested again before they went into work, but pretty much they're back at work. And Elon Musk went to California's governors and legislature legislature, excuse me, and said, look, fuck you. I need to open up and I'll move my headquarters out of here. If you don't let me now, As you would presume, people on the left, including legislators, went, fuck you. Literally, one uh, councilwoman said, fuck you, Elon Musk on her Twitter. But the thing is, Elon Musk is right. And the left is decrying him for putting people in danger. Well, how much danger is there for these people working on a factory line? How many of them are really going to be at risk if they're testing like crazy? Most of them are probably not over the age of 65, so if they get sick, I'm sure they can go and get treatment because we already know that the hospitals are not overrun. And I'm sure that Elon Musk is going to be saying, if you get sick, I will happily pay for your medical leave because that's kind of part and parcel of the deal. And I like that Elon Musk and other large manufacturers should take his tact, are holding these people's feet to the fire and saying, look, I provide hundreds, if not thousands of jobs well-paying jobs for the most part to people in your state. You begged to have me here. And they did beg to have him there. I will take my factory. I'll take, I'll I'll take my shit and I'll leave because at the end of the day, now this is probably a bluff because at the end of the day, I have to think that making a brand new auto manufacturing plant and moving it somewhere like Florida or somewhere where they're opening up Georgia, for example, that's gotta be more expensive than waiting it out. But Why not call their bluff? What are they going to say? Are they really going to put thousands of people out of work to fight this? To say, oh, well, you know, to make sure that we don't get people sick. To make sure that people don't get sick, we ought to make sure you stay out of work. No, they're going to back down. So good on you, Elon Musk. Hopefully other people follow your example. Hey, let's uh, just take a quick pause here in the show so I can ask you a little something. Who do you love? What do you love? Are they people? Because I have a podcast to share with you. It is from a, a longtime friend and Lions of Liberty fan, supporter on Patreon, a TV producer and a filmmaker who has a podcast called People We Love, the one and only Adam Choit. You guys have probably seen him active in our forum and also around. If you come to any of our events in Los Angeles, Adam is always a staple at those events. So, with the people we love, podcast, Adam he's got kind of to these fun and loose conversations with people from all walks of life. Uh, a lot of the time, it's stand-up comedians who, you know, talking stand-up comics is great. That's why you guys tune into this show. Listen to me yipping and yapping. But he also talks about other people in the entertainment business in Los Angeles where he resides. But what makes this more of a unique show is, uh, you know, not only do you hear fascinating, revealing stories about the lives and careers, but also. Adam asks that each of his guests highlight someone that they love, someone who inspires and influenced them. So, you know, everybody's talking about things from their moms, their dads, their mentors, friends, comics they grow up, and other public figures who were inspirational. And even though it's mostly comedians, Adam's also had on professional athletes, musicians, reformed ex-convicts like our own John Odermatt, and even members of his own family. I'm sure those are labeled and you could probably avoid them. (laughs) Just like when I had my dad on this show. (laughs) <laughs> anyway check it out at people we love podcast on instagram and people love um yeah check them out subscribe everywhere itunes uh stitcher all that good stuff check them out all right we're back with electric liberty land episode number 176 So make sure to check out all the show notes, liberty.com forward slash ELL 176. All right, getting back to the show. Guys, it is a great time to be homeless. I know you'd think that this COVID thing would have killed off a lot of the homeless. Some people said that would be a silver lining. I would not be so uncouth as to state something like that. In public, only in private when drinking. Uh, but no, you'd think a lot of the homeless would be really dying off from this thing, but turns out that hasn't happened at all. Really hasn't. You know why? A lot of people are surmising that because the homeless are out in the streets all the time dealing with far worse things like the bubonic plague, which of course is here in our very lone Los Angeles in the slums of downtown uh, in, uh, in Skid Row, because they're dealing with so much dirt and grime and infection all the time that they have a vastly stronger immune system. There could be a lot of truth to that. But regardless, what's happening is cities like San Francisco, our favorite bastion of liberal dipshittery, are putting the homeless into hotels. Yes, and they're forcing hotels to take them in. Now, in San Francisco, they're not only forcing hotels to take them in. Granted, in San Francisco, some of these people, I'm sure, are more liberal bent. I'm sure they're saying, well, we'll invite the homeless to come in the hotel. Yeah, sure, we'll do that. Because... With tourism basically dead, with nobody coming in, with businesses canceled and forced to shutter, you do have a lot of homes or a lot of uh, hotel rooms that are just sitting open. So the city's probably compensating the hotels, renting out those rooms at taxpayer expense. Doesn't seem like something that I would be for personally. uh, Because shit, why don't I get to go stay in a hotel room? But not only that they're also supplying them with weed and booze and methadone and assorted other goodies. Because according to the councilmen and women in San Francisco, they don't want to have those homeless breaking quarantine to go out and get the drugs and the alcohol. So instead, the homeless get to stay in the hotels. They get to have free booze and free uh, methadone, free weed, chill and watch TV and just live their best life. So most homeless people are, in fact, living better than the average American is right now up in a nice hotel that gets cleaned all the time, getting free food, free booze, and free alcohol. Isn't that lovely? Now, in Los Angeles, of course, we also have many hotels being a hub for commerce, and most of those hotels are empty. Now, the silly city council here has also said, hey, we want you to take in the homeless because we've got like 15,000 homeless roaming around out there. And now the city council has decided that they're going to dox these hotels and name names as those who are refusing to take them in. Of course, the reasons that hotels don't want to take them in, especially ones that are luxury hotels or that have embedded luxury condo residences like the Ritz-Carlton in downtown Los Angeles, well, they're citing liabilities concerns, health concerns, property value concerns, and also branding concerns. You know, years ago, I had an idea. I said, you know, it might be an interesting... Little little exercise if Nike or somebody had old clothing that was Nike branded and they needed a public relations campaign to support the homeless and give them fresh new Nike clothing. But then I thought to myself, wait a minute, that's fucking stupid because then they'd just be known as the homeless brand. Now, as such, if you're a hotel that has been taking in bunches of homeless people and has homeless people loitering around it and in the lobby and all these other places or people know that homeless people had been sleeping there, homeless people that have unknown diseases rife in their bodies, no matter how much you clean that hotel room, there's probably still going to be diseases in the bed and diseases in the mattress that people have to worry about. And as we've seen, people freak out when confronted with disease. Well, you run a pretty big risk of being branded as a homeless hotel. But on top of that, these these LA City Council people are not just threatening to, to say that they are not participating, they're now threatening that they're going to commandeer the hotels. So now you've got the government threatening to take private property away, that you've worked hard to maintain and upkeep and build a brand on. They're going to steal that property from you, or at least they're threatening to do that, to give it to people who have provided zero, who continue to be a drain on society and are typically either mentally health uh, deficient, addicted to drugs and alcohol, or are gravely ill with some sort of disability and or sickness and they're going to put them in your hotel fundamentally what the fuck is wrong with these people to think that this is okay i know on the surface they go well you got the rooms man let's just help these people out and again which i think is bullshit at the taxpayer expense but let's help these people out right we'll put them in these rooms if you own that hotel, even if you're if you're saying, yes, okay, fine, we'll go along with it, who's covering the damage, right? The government's going to have to cover the damage because you know those rooms are going to be damaged. You have drug-addicted people that are sick, that are mentally ill in there. They're going to break shit. They're going to stain shit. They're going to ruin those fucking rooms. There's a reason a lot of these people live the way they live, and it's not because they just choose to live that way. It's because they're incapable of living any other way. Putting them in a hotel room isn't necessarily going to change the way that they live. What it's going to do is make a health risk. It's going to put the people working at that hotel in danger because, again, a lot of people are unstable and drug addicted, and a lot of them are, in fact, violent. So you're going to put all those people in danger. You're going to put your hotel in danger of liability. Your insurance is going to fucking skyrocket. Are you kidding me? People now smoking in the rooms, doing meth in the rooms, doing heroin. You have liabilities for death on premises. If somebody dies in your fucking hotel room, you know you have to list that. You have to tell people. It's a problem. What if somebody starts a fire and burns the place down? It is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my goddamn life with these LA City Council assholes are trying to push through and what they've already done in San Francisco. It is absurd. And again, you're going to see a class action lawsuit If they tried this, you're going to see Major lawsuits. Who's going to end up paying for that? Me. Me and other taxpayers. So what's going to happen? Oh, they're going to raise my taxes. Again. They're going to fuck me over in the property taxes. Again. They're going to raise the uh, the sales tax. Again. These idiotic, well-intentioned, but fundamentally broken, ass-backwards, retarded concepts are why California is one of the most expensive places in the world to live. All right, next story. This is uh, interesting. So so Education Secretary Betsy DeVos finally has issued new Title IX rules to protect free speech due process uh, for accused students. Now, I've talked about this many times on the show before, how under the Obama regime, they essentially put forth rules that... Skirted any sort of fair hearing, any sort of uh, response by the accused to a fair trial, even in circumstances where people—I mean, literally—circumstances wherein the person accused of being raped or assaulted said, "Nope, this is voluntary. This is a consensual relationship." Male students were still kicked out, and what's you know extra ironic for these goddamn liberals is that—or I should say progressives—I don't want them to tamper, you know, uh, really cramp the good name of liberals in a classic sense but these progressives that say that they care so much about minorities and black people well guess who got really fucked by this oh yeah black men black men who in theory are the people that would need to go to college more because they're uh, over the course of history less attendance in college from black males or you know black males would go to historic colleges in the uh, in the south but not so much over the course of the entire nation as far as college attendance well, those are the people that really got fucked by this, even more so than others. But it really knew no race, no class, no creed. Anybody was vulnerable to this because you could simply go in and accuse somebody of doing something. And there was a broad acceptance, as mandated by Obama in a Dear Colleague letter, to accept the accused as fact, or the accuser's word as fact, and it's basically just to railroad this kid out, suspend him, kick him out of school, ruin their fucking life. And it happened a lot. Happened a lot. So thank God Betsy DeVos has issued some new rules that demand that there is due process, that people can speak, that they can defend themselves. They do have a right to, to fight back against their accuser. I mean, Christ, Mattress Girl, this famous figure, Mattress Girl, turns out she was full of shit. What she, did, didn't ha- what she said happened didn't happen. They've got emails to show it. They've got text messages that were never looked at to show that this woman had still continued to talk to the man, still hung out with him, still wanted to hang out with him after this. And, you know, a scorned lover decides to take vengeance. So thank God Betsy DeVos has issued these new rules. Now, the biggest irony of all is Joe Biden, who of course has been credibly accused of sexual assault, not provably accused because Tara Reid has said that this thing happened. She said that he had penetrated her with a little double finger action against her will, pushed her up against the wall. And then when she said, oh, what do you do? And he said, oh, come on, kid. I heard you like me, according to her. She told her mother, she told her brother, she told her friends at the time, told several people when this happened, filed a report, which we are not able to access because uh, Joe Biden had blocked it previously. I don't know if he's allowing it now. I haven't heard anything new on that front. But again, credibly, I would say, accuse Joe Biden of sexual assault, at least it's something that should be looked into. Joe Biden is fighting tooth and nail against the new sexual uh, misconduct changes to Title IX that do give due process to accused people. Of course, if Joe Biden was in college right now operating under his own rules, he would be fucking expelled. Now you could argue somebody as stupid as Joe Biden probably should have been expelled from college when he was there. But regardless, the hypocrisy and the irony here is so thick, it's like a it's like a delicious sausage gravy on top of your biscuits in the morning. And everybody needs to take a big bite at this and realize how insane it is that the Democrats are defending this, defending this man while attacking Title IX provisions that don't say that women are wrong, they don't say the accuser. Shouldn't be believed. They simply say the person accused may defend themselves and that they have to be afforded a reasonable defense rather than simply having their, their protestations denied and ignored to virtue signal that we believe all women. All right. Uh, this is going to be a shorter episode, by the way, I got, I just, I'm, I'm busy this week. So let me wrap this up with a couple of quick things. And then I apologize. It's going to be a shorter episode, but, uh, I'll make it up to you guys on the flip side. Um, how about Canada's new gun ban? Because one person using, by the way, an illegally purchased rifle that was already banned in Canada, mind you, got it through an illegal U.S. source that dealt it to him and then went on a murdering rampage in Nova Scotia tragically killing several people. I think over 10 people actually died in this. So he went on a killing spree with an illegal gun, impersonated a police officer in a fake police car that he made, right? So all these things are super illegal. But jackass, Justin Trudeau now has made a, quote, assault-style firearms ban with uh, bans over 1,500 models and variants of assault-style firearms, right? In the wake of the shooting. Which, of course, none of what he just enacted would have prevented from happening. Because this is what happens all the time with these moronic gun laws. They ban things that then would have been banned anyway, right? You would have gotten them illegally. So instead, they ban these items, now making criminals out of people who legally own them and who had done nothing wrong. All it takes in Canada, which is ostensibly supposed to be a, a democratic nation similar to our own, All it took was one fucking jerk off to go on a killing rampage with an illegally purchased assault style firearm, impersonate a police officer in a fake police car, and the government has used that as a reason to criminalize 1,500 weapons and criminalize countless hundreds of thousands, I'm sure, people who now are going to be required to turn their guns in, who now, if you want to get a gun like that to protect yourself or to go hunting, you can no longer buy one. This is an authoritarian measure using a tragedy as we see government do time and time again to push through leftist ideology, which, of course, Justin Trudeau has in spades. Didn't stop him from wearing blackface several times, but goes to show you, just like we've been talking about with COVID, just like with anything happening with gun violence, the left does not care. The left uses the instances that have no basis in logic reality to push through their legislation even though it would have done absolutely nothing to stop the crimes at hand, because criminals are going to criminal. And you telling them that they shouldn't isn't really a deterrent. Okay, next story. Oh, how about this? How about, so General Flynn, congratulations to General Michael Flynn. Department of Justice has dropped the case under good reasoning that basically this upholds the rule of law because from the released documents, which make liars out of Adam Schiff, which will make liars out of uh, all the people that testified uh, in, in public and went on media, like James Clapper saying that they saw definitive evidence that there was collusion, definitive evidence that Dr- that general Flynn was guilty, that Donald Trump was a Russian asset. Well, all of those documents, all these memos, all these private uh, trials or not, I shouldn't say trials, all of these private hearings, which Schiff had been protecting and refusing to release until forced by the DOJ. Well, those are not public. And as we've seen, everything leading up to this Russia collusion narrative, everything that they tried to put pin on Michael Flynn, all of this was nonsense. It was all garbage. They knew it was garbage and they pushed it anyway. Schiff should be fucking forced to resign. Schiff should be held in it under, I mean, there's got to be some law. I mean, Christ, he had to have lied to a Senate panel at some point, hadn't he? Pushing this narrative. Isn't there some sort of, I mean, we're talking about corruption. We're talking, what are they trying to get Trump on? Oh, abuse of power or something like that. Hasn't Schiff been responsible for abusing his power, to use the left zone phrase, when he's going on television and trying to up? And by the way, he is like on the committee. He's the head of the, of the intelligence committee. So if there's one guy that supposedly know what he's talking about, and not be lying to the public on television about what is or is not factually accurate about intelligence matters, shouldn't it be him? But no, he goes on TV and he lies time and time again through his fucking teeth, saying that Trump is an asset, saying that there is collusion, saying that he's working with the Russians, when he knew and testified behind closed doors that there was nothing there. And all of these people that got called in to, you know to publicly testify and went on the media to testify during these, these sham trials, said privately behind closed doors in these testimonies that there was nothing there, that they knew nothing. It's absolutely sickening. But what's more sickening is the way that the press has spun this, that the way that the press is covering, rather than covering the release of these documents, which exonerate Trump, which exonerate Flynn and everybody that worked for him, instead of doing that, they cover the fact that Obama held a call to tell people that what Barr did violates the rule of law, even though, oh, and that, by the way, He couldn't find any precedent for a guy getting off scot-free that was convicted. Well, he was convicted of fucking bullshit set up by the FBI, wasn't he? And we know that for a fact, Obama, you piece of shit. And Obama also pardoned a guy. He pardoned Carter for doing the exact same thing, for lying to the FBI. Another military man that worked for him. But we see the media cover that cover what Obama said, rather than cover the facts, rather than tell us that this was all a sham and admit that they were taken, admit that they were had by the deep state coup and by the Democrats' bullshit, admit that the entire Steele dossier was a scam put together by the Clintons. Instead of admitting that, you got assholes like Chuck Todd on Meet the Press, which is, in theory, a respectable show. But you have this asshole, he plays a clip of William Barr doing an interview Wherein Barr was asked, "Well, why did you do this? And and Barr goes on, he says, (laughs) laughing, mind you. Well, history is written by the winners, so it largely depends on who's writing the history, which is a perfectly accurate statement, by the way. He then goes on to say, I think a fair history would say it was a good decision because it upheld the rule of law. It upheld the standards of the Department of Justice, and it undid what was an injustice. Now, of course, Chuck Todd of Meet the Press played that clip from the interview, but instead of using the I think a fair history would be a good decision part, he simply played the part where he said, well, history is written by the winners, so it largely depends on who's writing the history. And then Todd said he was struck by the cynicism of the answer and that he said he didn't make the case he was upholding the rule of law and he was admitting that this is a political job. Now, of course, that's fucking bullshit because Barr literally said he's upholding the rule of law and I don't see how you can empirically disagree with that when the guy has been set up as I just discussed earlier. He'd been set up. We see it aired. We see it. We see the released documents. It's irrefutable. But clowns like Chuck Todd, apologists for the DNC and and, and never Trumpers are going to go after him. Now, I'm not a Trump fan. I'm not a Trump uh, defender, but I will without a doubt step in and voice my opinion when I see something like this, which is absolutely abysmal. It's a, a very clear little slice of life. Like it's like taking a microscope, right? And you take a, a slice out of the log and you really look at real close at. You can't see any clear how full of shit the mainstream media is. And that's really what I hope all of this from COVID to Trump to everything has clarified for people how full of shit, how full of bias, how untrustworthy the mainstream media is. I mean, this is absolutely despicable. Now, Chuck Todd has apologized for it and uh, Meet the Press has said, oh, well, it was accidental, right? Yes, it was inadvertent. In what world? In what world can you have inadvertently edited halfway through a man's statement within the same interview and then aired it and cut it off specifically at that point? You can't. Own your fucking bullshit. Absolutely Disgusting. Last thing, a little fun. Oh, well, AOC is calling for a uh, the 30 million people out of work to have a workers' march. The irony of which, of course, is that the government put them out of work. So what are they going to do? They're going to go march AOC to what? Go back to work? You're not advocating for that. <laughs> That's against your brand. This woman has no idea what she's talking about. Quick aside. And then the final thing I wanted to finish this episode up with. Too funny. Ex-U.S. Tre- Treasury Secretary Summers says that there is too much privacy, and that is the problem with money. Yes, Lawrence Summers. Let's see, when was he in office? I'm trying to find it. Okay. Uh, He was in the 70s, right? So, of course, this is when the mafia was bigger. This is when a lot of organized crime was bigger. And, of course, a lot of the reasons that the FBI can seize and freeze your bank accounts today is because of money laundering. The same reason gambling's illegal today is because of money laundering and other bullshit reasons, which 99.9% of the American populace doesn't partake in, has no reason to be afraid of, and has no reason to worry about. But still, the government's given itself permission to take your assets, to freeze your bank accounts, to, uh, to outlaw any number of voluntary activities under the auspices of money laundering. And of course, Lawrence Summers, jackass- from years ago, decades past through the fog of time has reemerged to criticize that paper money has too much privacy to it. Now, I have always been an advocate for paper money. I have always fought against digital currency. Now, not to say that Bitcoin isn't something different because that is outside the realm of government. But when we talk about government fiat currency, the way that it's handled, the way it's dispersed by the Fed, billions and trillions of dollars straight into bank accounts made from zero you don't even have to print the money anymore from nothing sent into a bank account and then distributed to you virtually. How lovely except that without paper currency, without having some sort of way to communicate uh, or not you know, to to, uh, to interact and trade goods with people outside of a digital system. Well, you're proper fucked when the government decides they don't want you accessing that anymore. Not only that, but you're also highly at risk for people coming in, taking your money, scamming you. The banks covered that so far. Who knows if they're going to do that in the future. It's also trackable. If you have digital currency using your card, they can trace you. They know where you're at. They can stop you from going in and out of places if they want. They can find you wherever you are. You have an RFID chip in your bank card now. They can track you through that. Fuck digital currency. Paper currency forever. Lawrence Summers, hurry up and get COVID. All right, that's going to wrap us up for this episode of Electric Liberty Land. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. At the end of the show, by the way, I want to plug a buddy of mine, The System is Down podcast hosted by my buddy Dan Smotz. who, by the way, we are going to be kicking up our Rick and Morty reviews. We're going to be reviewing episode one. I figure everybody's probably seen that by now, which aired this past, uh, past Sunday, I think. But we're going to be upping our reviews and getting those back out, discussing the libertarian aspects of Rick and Morty and uh, laying those out for you. So make sure to check him out. The System is Down podcast. It is great stuff. He has uh, been very vocal in the support of Vermin Supreme and had a lot of people on as well as just having a general debate. He had 12 people on to debate, uh, but he's doing some great coverage, great content. Check him out. Don't forget to check out Mark Claire on our Monday's show. He just had Justin Amash on, so make sure to tick back in your feed. Listen to that if you haven't yet. Again, we are going to be hosting a final debate with four candidates, TBD, but right now it looks like Hornberger, uh, Amash, Vermin are the three that meet our threshold for candidacy. Those are based upon number of people recruited to the LP, which Vermin has won, Uh, social media reach, which is Amash, and uh, uh, Hornberger won the most straw polls. So the final candidate, we're leaving up to you, the pride and people out there, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Help us select that final candidate, but you got to get in and do it by midnight tonight so we can set our lineup and get this thing scheduled in. Uh, And then, of course, John Odermatt, Felony Fridays. Check him out as well. All right, that's going to do it for me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged into Liberty.